All right, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the pod. Um, today might be a shorter episode. There are a couple things that I wanted to talk about that are topical right now that won't be topical in probably a week. And I just wanted to get it out there and say my piece on these things. Because I only have like four things to talk about, so it'll probably be a shorter episode. But first thing I wanted to cover is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because they've been playing relatively well lately. They're 2-2 two and two in their last four games, which may not sound too amazing. But for the Timberwolves, anything is great. You know, any improvement is great. And I just wanted to talk about D'Angelo Russell. Because D'Lo is one of my favorite players in the league. At one point in time, he was my favorite player in the league. But, you know, not so much anymore. <laughs> um, But I, apart from... Literally every other D'Lo fan that you'll see, I'm hypercritical of D'Angelo Russell. I'm hypercritical of his lack of defensive ability. I'm hypercritical of the fact that he's not a great playmaker, that, you know, he's very inconsistent and in that he has a tendency to take just, like, really bad shots. He's a, He is a chucker, in my opinion. Um, But he has been playing really well. He's been averaging, like, 23 points on, like, 45-40 splits off the bench in, like, 23 minutes so far, and he's been playing well, he's been contributing to the, the Timberwolves, you know, haven't been getting blown out lately, and he's been contributing to that, he's offering, you know, clutch time buckets, he's offering quick scoring, and he's just being a great positive for this team. Now, the Timberwolves as a whole, I still have an extremely low ceiling on this team, just because I don't like the fit of their three young stars, I don't like the idea that none of them can really play defense, and I still think that Carl Anthony Towns will request a trade, and I think it'll be like kind of a Westbrook Harden thing where Cattle requests a trade, and then D'Lo will be like, "Yeah, I kind of want out," and then they'll have to be building around Kate Cunningham and Anthony Edwards, which isn't bad. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying that I don't think the two rules are like all of a sudden gonna be something great because of this four game stretch. No, don't get me wrong, I'm not overreacting. It's a four game stretch, but I think the Timberwolves are going to be at the best, an eighth seed in the West, you know? So I'm a proponent of Cat requesting a trade, but I just needed to point out that the, the Timberwolves are playing better. I've come on this podcast before. I've slandered the Timberwolves. I've slandered their franchise as a whole because it deserves it. But it's also important to recognize when teams start to go on an upward trend because that's all you can all you can ask from a rebuilding team, especially if you want a high draft pick in a deep draft like this that has a lot of star power. Star power, excuse me. You just hope that they're at least competitive with the good teams. They took the Celtics the distance. They took the Pacers the distance. They won against the Kings, which isn't extremely impressive, but the Kings have been playing really well as of late. The Air Fox has been on fire. Um, and overall, it's just it's good to see the Timberwolves progress because we haven't seen that in the past couple of years. Ever since Jimmy left, we haven't really seen progression in Minnesota. So to see any little tidbit of progression is a great thing. The next thing I want to talk about is Jokic's MVP candidacy. Because, so I've, I've tried to record this podcast twice now. I've gotten interrupted both times. And in the, in the way that the app that I use to do this, you, you have to do it on one shot. You can't, you know, pause and then pick it up again. It's just easier to do it in one shot. So the, the, the problem with this MVP race is that it's just weak. It's just weak this year. And I feel bad because Jokic is earning it, right? He's averaging 26, 10, and 9 on 50, 45, 86 splits. Like, he is damn near 50, 40, 90 club for a center. That's crazy. And he has upped his assists. He's upped his rebounds while maintaining the same amount of turnovers. He's upped his steals. Like, he's just playing 
better as a, a, a whole. And the Nuggets are playing really well. The Nuggets have a chance to get out to the three seed. I could see them going to the two seed with how good this team is with Aaron Gordon now. And overall, I have an extremely high ceiling on this Nuggets team. You know, I could see a, a world where the Nuggets fuck around and win a championship this year. This would be the year that the Nuggets win the championship, in my opinion. I could see that. I re- I genuinely could, man. And, and and I know some of my friends are throwing up hearing me say that, but we were talking about this last night in the party, how I could see the Sixers winning a championship this year. I could. They may be eighth on my list or whatever, but I could see them winning a championship this year. Regardless, here, let's see where the Sixers would be. So number one is the Nets. Number two would be the Lakers. Number three, who would I have number three? Number three, I'm going to say the Suns just because I'm a biased-ass fan. Number four, I have the Nuggets. I guess, wait, no, yeah, yeah, number four would be the Nuggets. Number five would be the Clippers. Number six would be the Jazz. Number seven would be, no, the Bucks need to be higher than the Jazz. Number six would be the Bucks. Number seven would be the Jazz. And number eight would be the Sixers. Yeah. And then the Celtics are probably like 20 on the list. <laughs> we'll get to that later. But overall, I just thought, I think it's weird because Jokic clearly de- deserves the MVP and he's playing at an MVP level. But I think we'll look back on this and kind of try to discount his MVP. We'll look back at this MVP in five years and be like, it was a weak MVP simply because LeBron's hurt, AD's hurt, Harden's hurt, Durant's hurt, um, Embiid's hurt, who was the clear-cut frontrunner. Giannis's team isn't playing as well, and he's hurt now. Um, you know, Steph Curry and the Warriors are garbage, um, so they don't have the record to support it. The top two teams in the West, the Suns and the Jazz, just don't have an MVP-caliber player. Um, the Mavs aren't good enough. The Blazers aren't good enough. Like, I just rattled off, like, 10 MVP candidates that just are eliminated from contention because of injury or a lack of team success. And it seems like Jokic is just in the right place at the right time. It doesn't feel like he's head and shoulders above the competition. It feels like he has elevated his game. He's playing much better. And it just happens to be a year with a weak MVP race, which is, it's not his fault. You know, he still deserves it. It's not like we're handing out the MVP to fucking Sedarius Thornwell, but it just it feels like something's missing. It doesn't have the magic of an MVP season. It feels like he's winning it by default. And that's a little bit disappointing. As a guy who really loves Jokic, I want to see him do well. But you know, we'll have to we'll have to see. Regardless, the next thing I want to talk about was the, the Miami Heat timeline and how that's becoming an issue. And I know I talked about this before, how Swish out tweeted out Tyler the Miami Heat are letting Tyler Hero fuck up Jimmy Butler's prime and championship window. Something along the lines. I'm sure you can find the tweet. And that's just like, I saw that, and I was like, that is so facts, dude. That is so true. Because it's just, the Heat are being stupid. Their ceiling on Tyler Hero is way too high. And if if, if in three years, Tyler Hero is a 26-point-per-game scorer, and he is leading the Miami Heat to a top-five seed in the East, I will come on this podcast, and I will get on my hands and knees and beg for your forgiveness about this. But I genuinely believe Tyler Hero is going to be a guy that is like a Goran Dragic. He's going to average, you know, 18 to 21 a game. He's going to make a couple all-star games here and there, but he is not going to elevate a franchise. He's not going to be the face of a franchise. He's not, not going to be anything special, like real special, like superstar. Even he's not going to be a star in this league, is my opinion. And regardless of whether or not you think he's going to be a star, it was so stupid of them to not trade for James Harden for two main reasons. One, you trade for James Harden when he's available. 
if the Celtics had traded Jalen Brown for James Harden, I would have been a little upset because I love JB. I love everything about him. But holy shit, it's James Harden. It's a top 10 player in this league, right? So you trade Tyler Hero, who, yeah, may have a really high ceiling, but there's no guarantee any player meets their ceiling. So you trade for the guy that's already won an MVP. You do that every time. Because by that logic, you're now arguing that Tyler Hero will win you multiple MVPs. That Tyler Hero's ceiling is going to be better than what James Harden is right now. You're arguing that, or there was a lot of Heat fans saying that James Harden was going to fuck up the Heat culture. Which was ignorant for two reasons. One, it was ignorant because you're just completely ignoring... Like, you're you're thinking that James Harden was the one that picked Mike D'Antoni to be his coach. You're thinking that James Harden is the one that asked Daryl Morey to go full small ball. I'm sure James was in on those decisions, but at the end of the day, I don't know if he wanted those decisions. It seemed like he didn't seem that happy. You know, he requested a trade. But overall, in hindsight, that that mentality looks really stupid because James Harden is actually the one that's the third option on the on the Nets win. All three of them are there. Harden's like, eh, I'm cool. I'll get 18 assists. I'll get my 20 points and 18 assists. Y'all, KD dropped 37. Kyrie dropped 37. You know what I'm saying? So in hindsight, that argument looks really stupid. I understood it at the time, but it was also like, fuck it. Jimmy Butler would be able to get him to buy in. I guarantee you Jimmy Butler would be able to get him to buy in. And then even on top of that, imagine this team with Jimmy Butler, James Harden, Victor Oladipo, and Bam Adebayo. That's insane to me, man. That's insane, that starting lineup. Whoever you want to plug in at the four, that's an insane starting lineup to me. That's a real contender in the East. And that's the first reason why you do. You trade for James Harden because he's a top 10 player in this league. Second reason is you trade for James Harden so that Brooklyn doesn't get him, so that Philly doesn't get him. If if the Heat trade for James Harden, they prevent a super team from happening. And this Brooklyn Nets team, eh, they're still contenders because they have Karis LeVert, they have Jared Allen, but are they really, really contenders, man? I don't know. But... Overall, I think it was really stupid of the Heat to not trade for him. If, if Bradley Beal comes out tomorrow and formally requests a trade, you trade Tyler Hero for Bradley Beal. You do that. You capitalize on the hype around Tyler Hero. Because, yeah, two years, three years from now, Ty could be averaging 26 points per game. He could be leading the Heat to the, to the fourth seed in the East, and we could be looking at them as legit championship contenders. But at the end of the day... I don't believe Tyler Hero is going to be at that point. So you capitalize on the hype. Because three years from now, Tyler Hero could be averaging 18 points per game. Jimmy Butler could be 34 years old. And Bam Adebayo could be 27 years old looking into free agency. Looking to see what's best for him. And all of a sudden, you've wasted an opportunity. This was a problem with the Celtics. Right? The Heat are trying to... Build for now and build for the future at the same time. You can't, you literally can't do that. There's one situation you can do that, and that's being the San Antonio Spurs. The only team that has ever won a championship while also developing young players and done it successfully is the San Antonio Spurs. Because I thought about this last night. The Celtics tried to do this, right? We tried to develop Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown while also having Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Marcus Morris, you know, all these different guys on the roster, and it just doesn't work. You either go all in on winning a championship now, or you go all in on building for a championship in the future. Playing this middle ground is hard to do. Playing this middle ground is a hard game to balance, and very few people can do that. 
And the Heat are trying to do it now, and it's going to nip them in the butt eventually. It is. Because when is the next time that a superstar player is going to become, you know, on the trade market? I think it's going to be Carl Anthony Towns, but you're not trading for Carl Anthony Towns. You got Bam Adebayo. If you want to play Cat at the four, which is doable considering Cat shoots, maybe you trade for Carl Anthony Towns. But I think, I just can't believe it was Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, salary fillers, and like three first round picks for James Harden. And they were like, no, we don't want to trade Tyler Hero. So stupid, just so ignorant. And it's just frustrating because I love Jimmy Butler, I love Bam, and I don't want to see you know, the Heat waste away on an opportunity. I don't want to see the Heat make the same mistakes that the Celtics did a couple years ago, is what I'm trying to say. But regardless, the last thing I'm going to talk about today on the pod, how many minutes are in? I'm 12 minutes in. All right, so this will be about a regular episode, I think. It's in my notes. It's called putting a ceiling on the Celtics. And I'm right now, I have a gut feeling that this isn't going to go over well. I'm a little nervous to talk about this because we were in the party last night and literally all of my friends, one of my friends was like, the Nets are the only team in the East that scare me in a seven game series that I don't think we can beat. And for the most part, I got yelled at for saying that it was a consensus in the party one time. So shout out to Will. I'll exclude Will from this. For the most part, it was a, a consensus that that the Nets are the only team that threatened the Celtics. When in my mind, I think the Celtics are a second round exit at best, at best. Because right now, like I don't think my friends realize this, but the Celtics are a seven seed still at the end of the day. And I will say, I'll say this now so that it's out there. The best thing that can happen to the Celtics this season is getting swept in the first round. That is the best thing that could happen to us right now is we go out against Philly, Atlanta, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn. Those are the top four seeds right now. And we just get swept. We get swept. We get pantsed. You know, three of the games are blowouts or whatever. Because that would create a sense of urgency. It would be like, Ainge, do something now. We need change now. Because I'm not waiting. You know what I'm saying? We need to compete now. But I'm afraid that the Celtics are going to scrap out a run to the Eastern Conference Finals again. And Danny Ainge is going to be like, well, we play well. I don't need to make any trades. And that scares me. I hope, I hope to God we lose in the first round this year, which feels really weird to say. But I think it would be a perfect way to cap off a season that has shown that this roster is very poorly constructed. We, we now, after the Evan Fournier trade, we now run five deep. We now run five deep. And that's on a night that 52 mil is shooting well. That's on a night that 52 mil is shooting well. But regardless, I think that the Celtics are a second round exit at best, realistically speaking. I think if we match up with, if somehow, some way, you know, which it's not unrealistic to move up to the five seed. It's really not. The East is really tight between the four and the 10 seed. No, that's not true. Between the four and the... um. Nine seed is like three games within each other. So it's it's plausible that the Celtics move up, right, in the Eastern Conference standings. If we play Atlanta in the first round, I'm actually pretty confident we would win that series, that we would be able to take care of business. We play the Heat, I think we're losing. Um, we play Charlotte, we're winning. If we play, okay, so if we were to play Atlanta, Charlotte, New York, Indiana, or the Bulls, if the Raptors can scrap out of the playoff game, play-in game, 
I think we're beating all of those teams in the first round. I think the Sixers, the Nets, and the Bucks and the Heat are all teams that can beat us. Are all teams that can beat us. Let's go through each one of them. Sixers, Joel Embiid is a monster nightmare matchup, right? Um, we don't have anything. Last year when we swept him in the first round, they didn't have Ben Simmons, and they didn't have the shooting help nor the coaching staff that they do now. So those are two things that are important to Mark. Uh, also, Tobias Harris is having one of the best years of his career because he's, again, under Doc Rivers. My friend pointed out that Ben Simmons' offensive output makes it so that it's not scary. I don't necessarily agree with that because they have Seth Curry, they have Danny Green, they have guys that can get you buckets. And Ben Simmons doesn't need to, you know, be to put out offensively. I think that they, some of my friends don't realize this Sixers team is very different from the teams in the past. The Sixers team is the one seed in the East right now. They're the one seed for a fucking reason. Now, granted, they're a lot better at home than they are away, but chances are, in a seven-game series, we're playing them in Philly four out of the seven games. So we would technically lose that series. I would see us losing to Philly in about six games. Because even last year when we swept them, Joel Embiid averaged like 30 for the series. So imagine that, but with a better overall roster. Time Lord has been playing great this year. Don't get me wrong. So has Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson has been a lot better than I'm giving him credit for because I still don't like to watch him play. But at the end of the day, Joel Embiid is going to dominate both of those guys. He's going to dominate them. So I'm extremely worried about that matchup. Same thing goes with the Milwaukee matchup. Um, We don't have the personnel to build a wall around Giannis. We also, I don't think, have the... We do have the defensive personnel to cover their guys, at least matchup-wise. Tatum on Giannis, um, Jalen Brown on Chris Middleton, and Marcus Smart on Drew Holiday. You have a Marcus Smart on Giannis, honestly, because Marcus plays really well against big men. He's a really good pest with that. But overall, I'm just not... I'm not confident in our ability to... Match the the Bucks depth, right? The the Bucks have one of the deepest rosters in the league. Jeff Teague joined the Bucks and started playing well, which is so bullshit for me. And I think that the Bucks would oust us in six. Also, I think maybe even five because we don't have the we don't have interior defense, right? We don't have interior defense, and this is also something that's important. The Celtics' greatness and the Celtics' uh, ability to win games is hugely reliant on whether or not our threes are falling. If our threes are falling, we're one of the best teams in the league. But if our threes aren't falling, yeah, we are not one of the best. We are a garbage team. And the Bucks' defensive scheme is heavily reliant on packing the paint and letting the other team shoot threes. And this could be good or bad for the Celtics. We could catch fire in four out of these seven games from three and just dominate the Bucks and win this game and win the series, and move on in the Eastern Conference Finals, which is a possibility, but I'm not willing to be a betting man that we're going to shoot 40% from three for four out of seven games. That's just not going to happen, in my opinion. Watching how inconsistent the Celtics have been, yeah, they can catch a hot streak, and that's what I'm afraid of we'll do in this playoffs, is just get really on fire and, and scrap out a run at the Eastern Conference Finals. But I'm very, very. I, I would not pick the Celtics if we were going into a series against the Bucks. I'm very, you know, um, reluctant to choose the Celtics just simply because I think defensively, defensively Tatum can't guard Giannis. Defensively, Jalen Brown guarding Chris Middleton. I'm actually pretty cool about. Same with 52 on Drew Holiday. But after that, man, it's just like the bench depth of the 
the Bucks is ridiculous in my opinion. Like the Bobby Porras, Dante DiVincenzo, like I said, Jeff Teague has been playing well. Brooke Lopez, like they have so many guys that play really well. 52, um, not 52, Rob Will has been playing great. Don't get me wrong, but after Rob Will, Tristan Thompson, and Evan Fournier, I don't really trust our bench that much. Listen, Peyton Pritchard has been amazing, but I'm not going to trust the 23rd overall pick, you know, in a playoff series against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm just not going to trust him like that. And maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe I'll have to, uh, it'll, it turns out I'm talking out of my ass. But that's why I think the Bucks would beat us. I think the Heat would beat us because Eric Spolster is a better coach. Jimmy Butler is better than Jason Tatum. We have no matchup for Bam Adebayo. They beat us last year. They beat us last year and are just as good. If Victor Oladipo is back for the series, we're fucked. They still have Dragic. They still have Bam. They still have Duncan. They still have Hero. They still have Butler. And they would get Victor Oladipo. Yeah, they're missing Jay Crowder. But, you know, I'm still taking the heat in that series. I think it would be a scrapper. I think it would go seven. But I'm taking the heat in seven. And finally, the Nets. Now, the Celtics are one of the few teams in the um, entire league that have the defensive personnel to match up with the Nets. You know, we have three phenomenal perimeter defenders. And we're a team that, that can feast on a lack of interior defense. I just don't know. I don't think the Celtics have the firepower to outscore the Nets. If you look at the top three players on the Nets in terms of scoring the basketball, you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. If you look at it on the Celtics, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker. Every single player on the Nets in those top three is a pretty wide margin better than the players on the Celtics. KD is really a lot better than Jason Tatum. Harden is a lot better than Jalen Brown. And Kyrie Irving is a lot better than Kemba Walker. Not to mention the fact that Joe Harris is a bucket, man. Joe Harris is a bucket. And they're scoring in the aggregate from Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, etc. Now, the Celtics have Evan Fournier. We have 52. We have uh, Peyton Pritchard, like I said. But those are guys who so far have not been extremely consistent for us. Speaking more to Peyton Pritchard and Evan Fournier. And I just, I don't believe, I just think this, the net star power would win out against us. You know, I think that the Celtics, at best, if we're being realistic this year, are a second round exit. But I think that the best possible thing that could happen to us this year is just get swept in the first round. To to really and have Kemba play terrible. Please have Kemba play terrible. So that there's an urgency to trade the contract. It's such a hard contract to trade. We were talking about this in the party last night. How like the only team that we hope would take Kemba's contract is the Pelicans because they're really stupid. Because David Griffin is actually an idiot. Like an idiot. So I was like, oh my God, if we could trade Kemba for Lonzo Ball, I would be so happy. It wouldn't even be funny. You know, trade Kemba for Lonzo. Lonzo would be making a little bit less money. And then we could use that money to get bench depth. Oh, it would be awesome. But that was just kind of my spiel that I have a lot lower of a ceiling on the Celtics than my friends do. And maybe it's because I've watched less Celtics teams this year, right? My friend Dominic and my friend Will watch pretty much every Celtics game. There are Celtics games that I miss. So maybe they know more than me. But at the end of the day, from the shit that I see on the court and from the shit that I see from these other teams, I don't believe the Celtics have the firepower to beat, you know, for these teams. I think the Celtics are the fifth best team in the East. In terms of seven game playoff series, I think the Celtics are the fifth best team in the East and 
you know, hopefully they prove me wrong. But I think it would be a bad thing for us to scrap out another run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because we're not beating the Nets in a seven-game series. If we get to the NBA Finals, the chances of us beating the Lakers is low. The chances of beating the Nuggets is low. But regardless, if you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a rating, uh, like it, let me know. Tweet at me at the 3D podcast if you want me to cover a team, a topic, a player. Um, but thank you so much for listening, and peace.